There is no better advice on how to find God than to seek God where you left him. Meister Eckhart, a a 13th century mystic, wrote those words. And what Eckhart meant was, yes, God is always with us. As we feel overwhelmed in a biology class, taking a midterm. As we review a list of new clients and wonder if we can meet the quota. As we check the online portal for the results of a CT scan. Yes, God is always present, but at times we can forget that's the case as we become distracted with the the pleasures and the pressures of life. Have you ever wondered where God was? Have you ever felt that God was suddenly absent from your life? Where and when, I wonder, did you last feel God's presence was near. Last July, I embarked on a study leave and spent time at Princeton Theological Seminary where Lynn and I took some day trips. And I shared a few weeks ago how one, for example, was to the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. Another trip we took was to the Guggenheim. Have you been in New York? As journalist Michael Kimmelman notes, Frank Lord Wright's Guggenheim Museum is a shock on Fifth Avenue and one of modern architecture's most transcendent achievements. You'll find an early sketch that Wright made of this remarkable building on your bulletin cover this morning. Completed in 1959, around the time... Mayflower was working on this building six months after Frank Lloyd Wright died at the age of 91. Kimmelman shares how Wright imagined this building as, as a temple, pure and abstract and uplifting. What I learned this week is while a complicated figure, especially in relationship to his immediate family, Wright's extended family included ministers including his father. And Frank Lloyd Wright believed that that God could be found in nature. That's why his buildings reflect this this architecture he discerned in in trees and and plants and flowers. Wright even designed a a dozen churches. As Anat Gea notes, sacred aspects of nature became the spiritual foundation of, of Wright's sacred architecture. That approach inspired others, including architect Frank Gehry and his Guggenheim in Bilbao, Spain, considered to be one of the greatest buildings of our time with its curved titanium walls that reflect the light in gold that flickers. You'll find an early sketch of that building by Gehry on your bulletin cover, and in an interview I watched this week, Gary shared how he once drove his family across the country to meet Frank Lloyd Wright and how they shared this. They shared a conviction that, that architecture should express a, a visual language that creates in us awe and reverence. 
or as architect and author Aya Galpin phrased it, architecture does not teach us what the sacred is, but that we might touch it and be drawn near to it. Architecture interprets holiness and offers it to us. Therefore, architects have the capacity to be priests, designing spaces for a meeting between earth and heaven. It has become our custom to set aside the Sunday as All Saints Day as we honor those in our church family who have entered God's eternal presence of love and light and grace. And we also call this Sunday Founder Sunday as we remember the legacy of previous generations of Mayflower members. So in many ways, this morning, we, we lean into Meister Eckhart's insight that we can find God in memory and in remembrance as we recall God's presence with us as we were with loved ones. And we remember how Mayflower members collectively determined that architecture is where we can keep those memories and where we can return to find God. A determination we find repeatedly in the pages of Scripture as we encounter this human longing to design space where earth and heaven can meet. We find that in our reading for this morning from the Jewish scriptures from Chronicles. There King David said to the whole assembly, my, my son Solomon, who is chosen but young and inexperienced, has been given the task to build a temple, a palatial structure that is not for, for man, but for God. With all the resources I have provided, said King David, gold and silver and bronze and onks and, and fine stone and marble, all of this will be done by craftsmen to the glory of God. But where earth and heaven met, in other words, for the Israelites, was in King David's temple. And today, for some, where earth and heaven meet could be in Frank Lloyd Wright's temple, the Guggenheim, or in Frank Gehry's temple in Bilbao. And so I wonder, do you have a place in your life where, where earth and heaven meet? It could be a childhood church. It could be a museum or a cathedral you visited. Or I wonder, is this sacred space a place where, where earth and heaven meet for you? Perhaps as you stood before the cross and professed vows to your, your husband or to your wife. As you stood before the baptismal font cradling your son or your daughter in your arms and, and stated aloud his or her name and then heard the words, you have been sealed as Christ's own forever. Perhaps earth and heaven met as you sang amazing grace with tears in your eyes at the end of a friend or loved one's funeral. 
Or as you gathered around this table, as the disciples did long ago, to, to share a Passover meal and to hear Jesus say, this is my body broken for you. This is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. On September 23, 1959, a church meeting was called to report on plans to build a church. Up until that time, the, the founding members of Mayflower had, had been meeting in a school auditorium. And John R. Davies, chairman of the building committee, reported how the goal was to build a church with a sanctuary that could seat up to a thousand. The cost would be $850,000. I'm always reminded when I reread our history as I did this past week of the boldness of those Mayflower members, the courage, the willingness to dream big. $850,000 in 1959 1960 is over $7 million today. You could say it was a King David moment on September 23, 1959, as those faithful and generous souls said, the task is great, but this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. The New York firm of Eggers and Higgins were identified as the architects, and they were known for the Mellon National Gallery and also designing the finest cruise ship at the time. Fascinatingly, an early design of the sanctuary had two floor-to-ceiling columns on, on either side of the cross. You can see those if you look up there. But they were to be depicted in apple green, which reminded me of how Frank Lloyd Wright imagined the Guggenheim at first as pink, only later to adapt it to white. The architects also imagined two doors at the front of the church facing us in apple green, which must have been a popular color at the time. <laughs> and the doors were to be covered in leather and brass studs. Well, after reviewing the drawing, the building committee decided to pay the architects a visit and tell them Mayflower's goal was not to replicate a cruise ship pulling into port, but to build a sanctuary in the colonial or reformed tradition. Meaning, similar to John Calvin and Martin Luther, they wanted nothing to distract the soul from experiencing God. Thus, white walls, clear pane windows. Or as Frank Lloyd Wright put it, they wanted a space pure and uplifting, they also imagined a raised pulpit, as in the Reformed tradition, a, a pastor raises up the word of God. There were to be no images in the sanctuary, as Jewish scriptures instruct. And the space was ultimately to be thought of as a, as a meeting house, where God's people would gather as one might with extended family. So you'll find outside a, a cornerstone with the date 1960. And this morning we gather within that legacy, within that generosity, and in a sacred space where 
truly earth and heaven meet? Have you ever wondered where God was? Have you ever felt God was suddenly absent in your life? Meister Eckhart noted the the place to look for God, the, the place to find God, is to reflect on where we might have left God. And perhaps that's why it's so important to enter through those doors on a Sunday morning. Because while at times all of us might, might drift away from God, here in this place God waits for each of us. Here in these pews we pause to remember moments when God's grace touched our lives in, in marriage, in baptism, in a funeral, in communion. Moments when through a warm handshake or an embrace, in, in song or in prayer, in word read and proclaimed, we, we found God's presence. Or as Ayla Lapine phrased that architecture does not teach us what the sacred is, but it may touch it and draw others to it. Architecture interprets holiness and offers it to us as sacred space that calls for this meeting between earth and heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.